You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. To the Two Stars One Cup podcast, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Shippy and Lud's talking a little Stars hockey as we are known to do. Now, you know, we do have a schedule. We've got a live schedule out now, and the Dallas Stars will open the season. Breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, I don't have a sounder, but if I did, I would hit it right now. Uh, The 2021 schedule is here, and they'll open the season at. Florida on January 14th and the home opener will be at the American Airlines Center on January 22nd and that will be when the banner is raised for winning the Western Conference um are you surprised that the NHL didn't go with the Tampa Bay Dallas Stars matchup because on the drive over here I was thinking about it and I thought that would be that would make the most sense make the most money have it on the NHL on NBC are you a little bit surprised you think that's a missed opportunity well, what's so they're not going to Tampa after they play Florida? Are they coming back to Dallas? I'm pulling it up right now. Um, I would think that since they're in such a, you know, they're right across from Tampa, you would think that they would play them, you know, get those four games out of the way right away. Yeah, um, so it'll be Florida on the 14th and the 15th, and then they'll play Tampa on the 17th and the 19th, and then return to Dallas to play Nashville and then Detroit. Yeah, all right. You know, and the other, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. But the other thing is, is I would look at it. I, I said this before, you know, when the, when they were in the bubble this year and they were in the bubble for 60 plus days, both the Tampa and Dallas. And I had originally thought that it was going to be the most difficult cup to win. And because of everything that they had to go through and hotels and everything that we all know about now. And I kind of changed my tune as I really got over with. And I thought, you know what? The It's harder on Dallas, as it always is. You get there, and, but you were in that same bubble, that same amount of time. You went through that same pain, and and you didn't get to take the shiny penny home with you. And, right. and so I don't know if that came into any consideration with the NHL um, because I would think that Tampa would do their banner raising and everything in their home opener. And I don't know who Tampa plays in their home opener. Maybe they start on the road. I mean, it would be interesting. But uh, do you have Tampa schedule there? I mean, Tampa plays on their on their opening night because to me, <laughs> that bubble and how difficult it was, and to be in the finals and and not come out on top. I don't know if you really want to put them at the spot where you got to play them on opening night in their building and have to stand there for the the ceremony too. And to me, to me, that's true. That, that's, that's cruel and an un, 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 unusual punishment for them. Yeah. So I've got the lightning schedule right here. They open the season with Chicago at home and then Dallas, like I said, so it'll be, they'll play Chicago on the 13th and that'll be when they raise the banner. 
Um, that, that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that they don't want to ram it up there a little bit further. They could actually wait for their their home opener, the banner raising against Dallas. But I would expect being the organization. I, that's just my line of thinking. Yeah. That, you know what? Uh, if it was a regular Stanley Cup, yeah, a little bit different. But but to me, uh, everything that went into this thing and and to not come away with anything except the the experience and the ability to play in the finals and, and gain all that, that you need to gain in order to, to, to get back there again. Um, but it, it had, it, you know, it was tough on those guys to not come away with anything. So it, it would be a little bit more humiliating to stand there on opening night too, unless you end up beating them five to one and, you know, ram it up their ass, so to speak on their yeah. banner raising night, but that's never guaranteed either. So I don't know if you really want to put them in that position. That's right. Yeah, no, I was, I guess I was just thinking from like a, just from a um, marketing standpoint, you know, trying to get eyeballs and and TV revenue and stuff going like that. Because, you know, we've talked about that a lot and how much money was lost because of the pandemic and cutting the season short. And then yeah. having to basically move the whole thing to Canada to be able to safely navigate through the playoffs. I just thought that, you know, from a from a spectator standpoint, that would been would have been a really entertaining way to open the season. But. Now that you bring that up, I'm actually pretty glad they did not do that to the Dallas Stars. Well, you, you got to think too that it, it maybe maybe by playing Florida, it kind of rams it in Florida a little bit more because they haven't been able to accomplish what Tampa has, and Tampa's always had the edge when it comes to, you know, being the better team there in, in South Florida. So, you know, it's another slap in the face to to Florida to have to go there, you know, as they raise the banner too. So, um, you know, and again, the, I don't even know if any of that thought goes into it. I think they're just trying to do knowing what all these players have to go through this year. And uh, I think they're going to try to make it as accommodating for everybody, uh, travel-wise, schedule-wise. You know, it's it's interesting. I know that they, they, they moved the Stanley Cup finals up, too. They're going to be done by July 9th versus, I think it was the 12th or something like that. Um, you know, so I, I guess they got to have a buffer zone in there somewhere because, uh, you know, in case some of these games get canceled and be able to – Maybe that's why they moved it up, and so that they could have the extra few days if they needed on the back end before, uh, you know, before they wanted to finish in the Olympics and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I think you're, you know, nobody knows what to expect. We don't know where numbers are going to go. I, they keep talking about, uh, uh, you know, this is going to be worse after Christmas than it was after the Thanksgiving. Um, I know that uh, Dr. Fauci, who's been the head of this whole thing, has now been part of the NHL, and he actually recommended that the only way that the NHL should start are all in hubs, um, which it doesn't sound like that's what they're going to do. But I believe that they have backup plans for everything that's going on. And and I think that I, I think they've been communicating more than anybody really understands um, to, to go through all the possible scenarios that, that could or, or may or, or may may not happen. Uh, between now and what the end of the season is going to be like here in the NHL. Now you bring up the end of the season there. Are you, have you thought at all about the following season already? Like, cause I was thinking about that because you finished July 9th. Like you said, that's the last potential day. That's when the Stanley cup yeah. will be over by. What is that turnaround going to be like going into the following season? I mean, granted it is a shortened season, but if you make the Stanley cup final, like we hope the stars will, that's a pretty quick turnaround, isn't it? If they're going to get hockey going back again in October. Yeah, I mean, it is, but you know, it seems like every year the finals end up being a little bit later and later. I, I, I know, I, I think that uh, I know that when we won in uh, Montreal, the final 
well, our final, I think it was game six, though, was like on May 24th. And now you end up to where, you know, you're finishing, what, the first or second weekend in June. And, you know, so it gets a little bit later and later. Uh, but the, I think this whole thing was designed to have the original start date for the NHL and get back on track to where it's been. And so, you know, very. I mean, look at the basketball. I mean, they, didn't they just they just started a few weeks ago? They finished their finals. Yeah, it was about when the it was about when the NHL finished their finals. I think, I think the NBA finished around that same exact time, and they had their opening night last night. So the well, Mavericks actually played tonight. It, it doesn't. It wouldn't surprise me that, you know, if they can get done July 9th and everything stays on track where it is, or even so, let's just say July 12th, because we know that they want to be done by July 12th. I mean, that's yeah. an Olympic thing that I think they're sticking with that date. You know, in, in typical training camps are somewhere in mid to late September, and you kind of keep going around the middle of October. And, um, you know, who's I would think they would want an all-star game. Maybe they take away the breaks that the players had last year, and they eliminate some of those breaks. And so uh, they get back to an all-star game, and then maybe they can get on track. They would give the uh, Stanley Cup winner two and a half, three months, kind of closer to what it normally is. Mm-hmm. Um but I think they're really trying to get this thing back on track. You know, it's funny because they're talking about how they're going to cram all these games in, you know, in this short season. When you look at a regular 82-game schedule, it's played in 186 days. And when you prorate this thing down to what it is now, it's about 116 days. So those 58 games, typically in a month, you play about 13 games in the NHL, over 160, 86 games. They're playing about 14 games. So it doesn't seem like there is as much, although it's about, I would say it's probably another back-to-back series. One more back-to-back series, which they're tough the way it is, and that's all, it seems like that they're going to have a lot of these back-to-backs in there, and I'm sure you have it there. You see how many back-to-backs yeah. there are. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to to see how that all plays out. But but then on the other side of thing, you know, you're, you're really not, you're, you're playing about a game or two more per month in the shortened season than you would in the regular ones. You don't have the breaks, though, uh, that you got. They all got individual breaks, and teams got breaks. They got their all-star breaks. Um, so, But then again, the travel is not as bad because mm-hmm. now you're actually going into a town and playing, and now they're all in the same time zone, at least the central. Uh, you know, A lot of those teams are. There's an hour in Florida and things like that. But it's not that going back to California and things like that. So, I mean, you look at teams like St. Louis, you know, they wanted to be in that or they were OK with being in that time zone. Um, they're broadcasting, I think, you know, said, hey, we, we, we're cool with that. So. Um, so anyways, I, I think there are some the definite advantages out east. I mean, all them teams, the furthest oh, trip yeah. is 500, 500 miles away. It, it's Boston has a trip, I believe. From Boston to Pittsburgh is 500 miles. So that's their longest trip for the Boston Bruins. So that's an advantage for those guys as far as travel goes. We know the New York teams and the Jersey team, things like that. So um, they sleep a little bit more in their own beds, which I don't even know if that's an advantage anymore, sleeping in your own bed. You go on the road, you're going to go to Florida, and you're in a hotel. You're staying in your room. You get your meals. and But if you're the home team, now you got to go the home. You know, you're going home. And are you going out to eat? Are you not going out to eat? I mean, it's pretty easy now with the NHL guys on the road. Again, just for this shortened season thing, there's definitely an advantage. But the family thing and, you know, worried about taking things home to your family every day, which is, you know, it's the same thing if you're on the road. But so I don't know if this all kind of balances out or there is an advantage for for this back-to-back stuff. And, um, 
you know, the travel, how it's going to be. So it'll be interesting to see how these guys all handle it. But it's going to be tough on them. There's no question because it's obviously something that they haven't never had to go through any of these players. Now, based on my early counting, I could be wrong. It looks like there's seven back-to-backs. Is that more or less than you were thinking? <clears throat> I was thinking there'd be more. Uh, I would have thought there'd been more, but I think what they're doing is – it's not about the back-to-backs. It's about what you're playing after that. Because you just said, I think they st- do. They start with a back-to-back against Florida. Is yeah, they, they start with a back-to-back on on and January. Then there's a 14th. game in between. And then there's and a then day- game in between. Yeah, so it, they, right? they play the 14th and the 15th, and then they have a day off on the 16th, and they play in Tampa on the 17th. They got a day off, then they play in Tampa on the 19th, and they have two days off before they come back for the home opener on January 22nd. So uh, basically, they're playing. They're playing four games in six days. They, right? yes, four games yeah. in six days. Yeah, and now that that's where when you put you it know, that way, it sounds like a lot. Yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden, you, know, you said they have two games off, and are they playing a back-to-back game then? They so yeah, they At got home? two days off, and they no, they have a day off in between. Oh, in between, okay. So <laughs> so they're so they're really playing five and seven days. No, five and eight days. Um, five and eight days or five and eight or nine days, eight, nine nine days, five and nine days. days. Yeah. So that's, that's a little bit shorter than every other day. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of the season that's going to end up like that, you know, and again, the travel, you know, the way they travel now, it's, you know, it's a couple hour flight back and it's, you know, you get on the bus, you get on your plane and you're home and, uh, you know, it's so time change of an hour. Um, I think that's okay. But again, the other thing is that time change out, out West. And I think that's where they, you know, you got a lot of guys now, before you know, it, you're getting home at, you know, four, four thirty in the morning. And the other thing I go back to the practices, there's not going to be a lot of practice time, you know, because uh, you may try to practice in the first, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 games and try to get some practice in and tweak some things, get on schedule as far as your system, power play, penalty kill, all that kind of stuff goes. But, and you know how important all these games are. Uh, to get off to that start, you're going to be riding your top players because you're going to want to win games and build up some kind of a, a points lead if you can um, over other clubs. And then if you can maybe find places to give guys a little bit break down the road, you don't have a lot of you'll have practices, but you're not going to have all 20 guys on the ice, which which was where the taxi squads come into play. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it'll be interesting how these coaches are, are you know getting ready for all this and how they're going to practice. And and the other thing is no preseason games. So I would think that in the training or training camps where they got seven, eight, nine days or wherever they had camp, they shortened that a little bit, I think, than what they wanted to. Yeah. Um, I would think that there are going to be teams that are going to adjust their practices and training camp to where you get a practice party in and you get your conditioning and things like that. But I believe a lot of these guys are probably in the best shape that they're probably ever coming because they've been they know what was going to happen. Um, but you're going to get your conditioning. You're going to run some drills. Um, you know, a break, maybe flood the ice or something like that and come out and scrimmage and get a get a 30, 40 minute scrimmage in and try to get in as much game like uh, play as you can. It's never the same as playing in a regular game when there's traffic and especially for the goaltenders. You know, there's a lot of traffic and things that go around goaltenders. And when you're playing against each other, you kind of avoid that stuff. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they run their practices also to see if they can get that kind of stuff going. And, and that, those teams that get the most out of those nine days of training camp and in their first 10 to 15 games and get off to a good start, um, they're the ones that are going to have the advantage when you get into the middle of the season and down the stretch to be in a playoff position. Now, uh, you know, we, we touched on this, you know, with Tyler Sagan being out. Who are you looking to kind of take over 
the production that Tyler Sagan and the, and the threat that Tyler Sagan, you know, provides on the ice. Because for me, I'm looking, I'm looking at Rope hints when it comes to you know five on five play. But then when it comes to the power play, I look at a guy like Denis Gurionov to be on that off circle, you know, ready for the one timer like Tyler Sagan typically would be. Well, let's be honest. I mean, I don't think Tyler didn't light it up last year like we all wanted him to light it up either. And Gary Onov led the team in goals last year. Yeah, yeah, he did. Right up there anyway. So you're going to be pointing at those. And they got paid, you know, so they they got some more, you know, some some more dollars in their pockets. And so they know what that that kind of expectations are on them. I look at that. The other the other thing is, though, for Dallas. Dallas, I know in the playoffs there were games that we were all kind of blown away. They're down by two, three goals, and they could, you know, they came back and they won these games. But I think Dallas is, I mean, last year I believe we were third in the league in goals against. That is going to stay the same. So it's not always about, and to me, that's the way it should be because you start getting into that time of the year in the playoff time, and one of your big guys go down, and you're winning games, and you have to win games. There were the years uh, when Lindy Ruff was coaching here. You know, the Dallas was going out and they were playing a little bit more up tempo, but they were giving up three, three and a half, four goals a game. They needed to score five or six. That's a little bit yeah. tougher. Um, so I, I think when you can you can have that that strength of your club that that cuts down on goals against, uh, especially scoring chances, because I believe that when Ben Bishop gets back there, he should be healthy. Uh Dolby, we know what he does. Um, if you can you can keep these goalies to picking up uh, scoring chances from the perimeter and high in the slot, not those high danger chances where they don't have to get overworked. It's just that that's the blueprint of what this team is. And and I don't think that's going to go away. I mean, it worked out so well for them. Yeah. Just able to find ways to score goals in games last year. And I, I've always been a big believer is, you know, things tighten up in the playoffs typically. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, goals are usually harder to come by. And so if you're used to playing 82 games this year, 56 games, you're used to playing – and three to two, two to one hockey games, two zero, one zero, tight games that go right down to the last couple of faceoffs, and then it just becomes a norm. And you don't have to all all of a sudden head into the playoffs and say, "Listen, it's the playoffs now. We need to tighten some things up." Well, we just did it for eighty-two games, or we did it for fifty games, or sixty games, or whatever your schedule allows you to do it for. So you kind of go in there being who you are. You don't have to reinvent your game a month out and say, "Listen, we've given up too many chances this year. Let's start tightening it up." This yeah. organization, ever since we came here and Bob Ganey was around and Ken Hitchcock and guys like that, it's been about being a very stingy team and a team that's hard to play against. And at times, I understand fans would call it boring, but it's kind of what your base is. And now you add players. I mean, you got Jamie, you got Gary Onov, you got Tyler Sagan, you got Radulov, you got Hintz. So you got guys that can put the puck in the net. Yeah. But but I, they know how to play in their own end, too, and, and cut down on chances. And I think that's important. Yeah, we got this. Remember, you can always comment as uh, you're joining us live here on either Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. And we got a comment here from Kevin Lawler who says, man, I hope this team fixes their scoring problems. I feel like you kind of just addressed that. Like, it's just not really their identity like it used to be. And I think that, you know, while it is, you know, a quote-unquote boring brand of hockey, we saw two years ago what it did for the St. Louis Blues. They played the same style of hockey where they, you know, they really relied on Jordan Bennington to, you know, have the playoff run of his life, which he did. And then, I mean, even last year with the Tampa Bay Lightning, even though they're a prolific team offensively, they're very responsible and good in their own end defensively as well. Um, you know, what is that what you one thing that you would want to see them add, I guess, within Tyler Sagan's absence is some more scoring or do you feel good with them? You know, there's uncertainty with Steven Johns. Are you worried with about them on the back end at all? Obviously, Julius Honka is coming back. 
How do you feel about the team in general? And if, if they do need to add anything, you know, early in the season, where would you expect them to add, you know, to the roster? Well, I look at it as they didn't have Steven Johns. You know, Steven Johns wasn't healthy to the point where he wanted to pull himself out and he didn't feel the way he needed to feel. So they didn't have Steven Johns. Tyler Sagan played on, sounds like Tyler Sagan played on one leg throughout the playoffs. So they really didn't have a healthy Tyler Sagan and they made it to the finals. So, but they, they picked the game up to me. There was, I, I call it, there was a lot of chaos around everything. There, there were players getting involved all over the ice. And, uh, you know, the Comos, the Perrys, Jamie Benz, guys like that. They all stepped up. Jamie Oleksiak, they all stepped up. It was in your face hockey. They, they, they were, it was a team that was hard to play against. And I think at times like that, that's when you can start to throw the other club off. So, you know, and, and you're going to have Tyler's contract coming back sooner or later. Um, you know, when he gets back in the lineup. So I don't know what you can really add. And I don't even know, like I said, the only guy that I know that's out there is probably Hoffman is the only guy that if you want to talk about adding more goals, he's probably the only guy. So I, I mean, knowing Jim Mill and every other general manager, they all know where Hoffman's at and Hoffman knows where all the other teams are. And now this is the window uh, that they're going to try to get some of these players uh, signed. They're not going to get what they probably deserve because of, the situation that's out there, but I, I don't think that they're going to go. You're not going to find this team go out and, and get a, a hired gun. I, I don't believe that. I, I think that they feel that the identity and what, what Rick did with this team coming off of Monty and then to Rick, um, they were really good about how they played. And, and, you know, they had some stints in there where, uh, you know, they, what they lose their first seven games of the regular season. I think it was, or they went like one, that. seven and one to start. This <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, and again, I, I, we're not going to say that's because they couldn't score goals. It's probably the team play. I don't think the goaltending was there exactly where they wanted it. So much of this always falls on the goaltenders. You know, we're, we're hoping that if Bish comes back and he's healthy when he gets back in the lineup and Doby can carry him as long as they need to um, to get that one, too. Because, again, is that going to be the most important thing in these playoffs uh, the, or regular season um, mm -hmm. is goaltending? And, you know, I just wonder, are, are clubs going to look at, you know, being able to, to on a back-to-back -back night, are you going to play one and then the other? Are you going to manage That's what I was about to ask you. How, how, would you. how would you manage well, that? I think what you do, I don't think you necessarily always look at the shots against clock. I think what you have to do is, that this is where they get into the analytics part, it's about scoring chances. And, and sometimes if there's, you know, there's – 60 70 scoring chances in a game they might might not all have got a net but they're you've got your goaltenders doing this up and down and working back and forth there's there's a lot of play in your own end and and i think that'll be to me that's probably up to the goal coaches to say listen he didn't get a ton of shots tonight but there was a lot of shit going on around him there was a lot of work up and down and in and out and he got bumped into you know to play tomorrow night or or you could say you know what yeah we lost uh three to one but there wasn't a lot of traffic. They were high quality scoring chance. They went in the net and he's fine. He can play tomorrow night. So I think there's going to be those kind of kind of conversations going on around goalies. And, you know, I, I really do believe that these teams uh, look at Vegas. I mean, they, they, they got uh, what, 10, $12 million in goalies over there. Flurry's making seven. I think the other guy signed for five. So they got about 12 million, but, but they've got two goalies that I think they could realistically play the other guy every single night. Will they do that? I have no idea. They didn't do it in the playoffs, so they I don't expect right. them to do it now. But you may get to a point in the season, and you may have a 10-point lead on the last team in the playoff spot, not, not necessarily first, 
Um, and you can say, listen, we now we can flip it. Where we were trying to get three games with our starter, one, three, and one, and I think sometimes that's how they go. They go, you know, every other three, the other guy plays and things like that. So maybe we can reverse it and find a way to get them both as, as rested as you can going into that playoff round. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think every goalie, every coach, when they look at the schedule, they sit there and they pencil in their number one. Here, I'm putting him here, 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 here. And they have some kind of a plan. I don't know if they can have a plan in this kind of thing, you know, because. The, you know, and the record, may have, the record may have to dictate the plan, right? Like if you get well, off to exactly. a one seven one start, I mean, unless yep. it's unless it's all on Doby, that that's the reason that you're off to a bad start. You know, you've got no choice at that point. So just really right. ride your best goalie. And if Bishop comes back, he's and Doby's not playing well, you're gonna have to you know, you're gonna have to hope Bish comes back and saves the season. Well, you know, and I can I can go back as far as our U eighteen team this year, and it's, I mean we're comparing apples and oranges right now. But our starter, who was, came in as our number one goalie. He had a record, and when we got going, he had a record of something like ten and two. Our backup was eleven and all. Yeah. So there yeah. was you, it was just here. We're we're going into this weekend. You play this game. You play that game. We just alternate them back and forth yeah. all the time because you know that's a good that's a good problem to have. And and you know one kid probably deserves to play more than the other. And the same thing here uh, because they're trying to get people to look at them, you know and and get a college to come up and talk to them things like that. Right. NHL, we're both getting paid what we're getting paid. And, and this is, and again, I think you have to go in. Everybody has to go into this season going, man, this is something that we've never done before, except for the playoff situation before. You know, we're, like you said, how many times are they going to play four games and six nights during the course of the year? I mean, it, it could be quite a bit. They yeah. could be playing five and seven. And, you know, that conversation is going to be had with the goaltenders. I think that's probably your most important conversation as a coach and uh, uh, staff. And say, listen, here's what it is. I'm counting on you doing your job, you doing your job. And if we see a bump in the road and we're going to have conversations, you guys need to be honest with us. Um, it may look like you had an easy game, but maybe it was a tough game or vice versa. And so, and I think what they did, now that they know, especially the Dallas Stars, Tampa Bay, uh, New York Islanders, uh, you know, those teams that were in the Final Four, for instance, they know what a formula is. And they know they all want to get back there. And they're going to do whatever it takes to get back there again. So, if that goalie is going to get six games and I play the, the, you know, three games, I want to get back to the finals again. You know, so I, I just think that this is a year where you're, you're kind of, it's going game to game. You know, we're going yeah. day to day here to see how you feel. What's the bumps and bruises? What are the trainers saying? What are the psychologists, whatever, whoever they all have around them? Uh, there needs to be a lot of communication and honesty, I think, as you go into this season. You know, you talked about, you know, the contract, you're getting paid, what you're getting paid. You think that the, I guess... Do you think the the contract at all plays into a factor in why guys like Rope Hintz and Garyanov weren't playing as much previously, or do you think that was just a coach's decision? Because I know, especially for me, I was a little bit frustrated with how the Stars treated Garyanov, bringing him up, and then sending him back down when it seemed like he had something from the jump. It looked like, if you watched him with the Texas Stars, it looked like this kid could play at the NHL level. I agree with you. and But there are times when you know who's going to lead you to the dinner table. And and so if, you know, we can use Tyler, we can use Jamie, you can use Radzilov, you know, you can use your top guys. Um, but you're thinking, how do I get my top guys going? Because I've said it before, you're going to win a championship and, and it's going to be because of your best players. Mm-hmm. But you don't win it without the other guys. And they will all tell you that. And so, but they're the ones that kind of get you to those moments. And when, when it's a, a 
you know, an, an overtime game and things like that. You expect those are one of the guys that usually step up. Yeah, of course, there's the other guys that pitch in here and there. We had Mike Keane with us. And, you know, I don't look at him as a plumber. To me, he was a under underneath the other superstar. He just did so many things. Uh, but you are going to always try to get your top guys up and running. And yeah. But I think now that these guys have earned themselves a pay raise. Uh, and, and I think when you're giving those guys that kind of money and they're giving a pay raise like that, you're also saying to them, we're expect more. I mean, you guys have been real good. That's why you're getting this money. But we know you've got another level. And so we're expecting to see it sooner than later. So, yeah, you got to put them in those spots. And the other guy that we haven't really talked about when it comes to going back to the, the scoring of goals and getting your goals up there is Merrill Haskin. That kid's only going to get better, and True. he's going to he's going to drive a lot of that from the back. So uh, we've talked about it. He can pick the puck up behind his own goal line, and before you know it, he's crossing the offensive blue line. Yeah, um, you know, and, and he's not he's not Brent Burns of a couple of years ago. He's not Eric Carlson of a couple of years ago, where he's going to end up with thirty five goals. But there is going to be a time when he's going to hit twenty. Um, yeah. But there's but there's going to be a lot of other things that he creates. And so the hints is the Garyanos, the Benz, the Sagan, they need to translate them into goals. And so they have that other weapon. John Klingberg's the guy that we've known as the offensive catalyst back there in the power play and things like that. But now they've got Miro. So there's yeah. another weapon there. And, and the most dangerous play over, I don't know how many seasons now, the most dangerous is always that defenseman getting involved in the rush. I mean, it's one thing to plan for the three-on-threes and three-on-twos, but when you have a defenseman that can typically beat the other two four-checkers that were in your own zone, and you can beat them up to the offensive zone, which Miro can't, he can leave them in the dust, there's an outnumbered rush there, and, and that yeah. creates opportunities. So I would say that Miro's going to – that guy can already be there. You know, they're probably looking at that saying, we've seen what Hayes can do – has done in a very short period of time yeah. and his confidence is only growing. You can see that. And his game is going to take, he's going to start to, I think he's played within what their the system is and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you there's a point where they're going to just say, okay, go do more. You can, you've yeah. got more to do, go do it. And, and I would expect him to be a big part of that extra offense that they should be getting. And that's one thing that I noticed in the, you know, the, the postseason run is not only how much the, Dallas defensemen contributed offensively, but it seemed like a common theme once you got later in the playoffs that you look at Vegas and you look at Tampa Bay. Those are two teams that got a lot of goals and a lot of offense from their blue line. Is that something that is, is that a big key to those long postseason runs? Like, is that something that teams are, are starting to focus on? Cause I remember that with the Nashville predators, you know, when they were making Stanley cup runs, you know, you had Yossi and you had, uh, I can't even remember the other, other defensemen back there, but you had, they had four different defensemen they could roll out that were as good offensively as they were defensively. It's it's the hardest part to defend in a game. And you think about it, when, when a team goes in into the offensive zone of their opponent and they four-check hard with two players and they get in on the, uh, in on the other defenseman, they try to finish a check in the corner behind the net or whatever it means, the rule is you never – if you're the F1 and 2, the first two guys that go in a four-check, the rule is you never let the defenseman beat you up ice. Because the worst case scenario, if that never happens, it's three on three. It's just a math problem. Mm-hmm. And so if they never beat you up ice, we're good. We have numbers through the neutral zone. We have numbers coming, entering our own zone. Well, these defensemen are such great skaters now, and not only skaters, but puck handlers and, and they're puck drivers. And they, they 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 basically lend to all the offense now. And so that's why I said, I mean, you think about you go back to Jersey. Jersey won three Stanley Cups. They had Niederreiter. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and you can go down the line here. When you look at teams that have won Stanley Cup, Detroit, there was a guy there that they called Mr. Perfect, Nick Lidstrom. I mean, the guy didn't do anything wrong. They all, there's a common denominator. And all these, a lot of these teams that have won Stanley Cups or had a lot of success, Tampa, Hedman, Hedman's on the ice 30 minutes a game and he makes it look so easy what he was doing. And he's six foot seven and that big wingspan, and, but he gets up the ice and he kind of glides up the ice. And so, you know, when you, now you've got two of them. I mean, you get John Klingberg that can add to that. Obviously we know that now Hayskinen is a different animal that, that you have back there. So, but when you play against teams like that, not only are you worried about Sagan and Ben, now it's Sagan and Ben, and oh yeah, coming late or even leading the rush is going to be Hayskinen or Klingberg. Now yeah. the, 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 the trade-off on that is you have to basically have partners for them that, know how to play a two-on-one or three-on-two with a forward being the other one back with you because they're going to be caught at time, you know, and, and I think that's what Dallas has done is tried to to get these guys to understand time and score. When do you take that extra chance? And, you know, but, but they're such great skaters that they do it the right way. They can skate so well that way that they can all usually get back and defend in their own end. Um, to me, that's uh, – you just look at the teams, uh, you know, again – Vegas has them. Now they add, you know, they add another one. Uh, Colorado, they've got a whole bunch of players. I mean, they're, yeah. they're like one of the most exciting, you know what I mean? And, 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 and now all of a sudden, but then when you go ahead and you look at Edmonton, Edmonton has probably the top two forwards in the league on the same team. And one gets 105 points and the other guy gets 95 points. But they don't make the playoffs, or if they yeah. do, they're out. They don't have the back end to support it. You know, it's just two guys against the world, and so the teams that are more balanced and they have that driver from the back, uh, and that's why you know it'd be interesting to see where San Jose is this year. I mean, Burns had an off year. Eric Carlson's been hurt ever since he's been there. They say that those two guys are healthy. Burns gets you thirty to thirty-five goals from a defenseman. You know, yeah. so and Carlson can do the same thing. Unfortunately, there's only two minutes in a power play, so they're trying to figure out which guy gets the most time on the power play. Now they both can be liabilities, so that's a difference. They're both liabilities defensively, mm-hmm. and where Haskinen to me isn't. I mean, he's as good offensively and defensively, and you can just swap them off. And he's just an all-around defenseman. So that's always the key with those offensive guys. They move Shattenkirk today. He was picked up from Tampa Bay, and teams that need it from the back end, they go and they find them offensive guys because they're watching. This is a copycat league. You know, they're looking at how did they win the cup? How did they win the cup? How right. did they, well, they have this guy. They have that kind of, you know, they got that kind of power plan that's led by this guy. So, and if those players are available, they go and get them if they have the right kind of club. To, that that piece like Brett Hull, Brett Hull pushed us over the hump. We need that guy to score that goal at that particular point in the game. And lo and behold, he scored that goal in yeah. game six and what, the third overtime or whatever it was. So, you know, there you go. I, I need to get uh, your recollection of that game six because I remember what it was like staying up and watching it and, you know, just being scared that you guys weren't going to win. And obviously you did, but we'll have to get that. Uh, you know, we got conspiracy theory Luds now on the podcast. We'll get, we'll get story time with Luds uh, launched here pretty soon. Now, before we get out of here, Luds, you know, it's the holiday season. I, my computer keeps telling me that Christmas Eve is tomorrow. Uh, what uh, what did Luds ask Santa for Christmas uh, this year? You get what? What are you hoping to get? I, I want to get out of 2020. That's, <laughs> everybody else does too. Just get me Same. the hell out of this year. <clears throat> get me out of this year. We're gonna move forward. It can't be any worse than this year. So right. Uh, I think there's you know and and hopefully eventually stop getting in trouble. That's it. I ask for that every year, and for some reason Santa that doesn't make it down his list. But <laughs> you know, just get out of this year and we're good. This year was hard to get in trouble. You can't go anywhere. Right. You know, so, well, yeah. 
We'll have That's to get in. I, I feel like we can get in some trouble at tight ends, you know, pretty soon here if we'd like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can. Uh, <laughs> they got some big they got some big bouncers in there, so you gotta be careful. <laughs> yeah. We'll just have to make friends with the bouncers first. I know. Then it doesn't help though. <laughs> oh, it doesn't? You sound like no, you're getting, from experience. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, right, I well, even know the owner and I still get in trouble. <laughs> well, uh, it's appreciate the time as always, man. It's always good talking stars hockey with you. Next time we talk will be I guess training camp will be about getting started for the Dallas Stars. So uh, looking yeah, forward to the third, the yeah, third, right? Third yeah, January, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So um looking forward my head, to my headache should be gone by then. You think so? Yeah, I think I plan on having a headache every day from now until then. So yeah, it'll <laughs> be over a, by then. I'll be good. Isn't that what the holidays are for? That's what it's all about. Apparently so. Yeah, right? I know. It, it, yep. It, it's about uh, it's about enjoying your friends and your family. And unfortunately, all my kids didn't fall far from the tree. So <laughs> I, uh, I love them at night and I hate them in the morning when I wake up. Yeah, that's that's my relationship with my parents and my sister, my brother-in-law. So yeah. Yeah, I, I totally understand. But uh, Luds, it's good to talk to you as always. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a nice comment about uh, the the content that you're hearing here about the Dallas Stars. And um, Luds, until next time, uh, have a happy holiday, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, everybody else. Be safe. All right. See you guys. <laughs>